When David Pepin first dreamed of killing his wife, he didn't kill her himself. He dreamed convenient acts of God. At a picnic on the beach, a storm front moved in. David and Alice collected their chairs, blankets, and booze, and when the lightning flashed, David imagined his wife lit up, her skeleton distinctly visible as in a children's cartoon, Alice then collapsing into a smoking pile of ash. He watched her walk quickly across the sand, the tallest object in the wide open space. She even stopped to observe the piling clouds. Some storm, she said. He tempted fate by hubris. In his mind, he declared, I, David Pepin, am wiser and more knowing than God, and I, David Pepin, know that God shall not, at this very moment, on this very beach, Jones Beach, strike my wife down. God did not. David knew more. And in their van, when the rain came so densely it seemed they were in a car wash, he boasted of his godliness to Alice, asked rhetorically if a penis this large and this erect, thus exposed, could be anything but divine. And he made love to his wife angrily and passionately right in the front seat, hidden by the heavy weather. He dreamed unconsciously, and he dreamed sporadically. His fantasies simply welled up. If she called from work, he asked, Did something happen? If she was late coming home, he began to worry too soon. He began to dream according to her schedule. Taking the train today? David asked in the morning. Taking the train, Alice said. It was a block west to Lexington, where she'd pick up the subway down to 42nd Street. At Grand Central, she'd take Metro North 30 minutes to Hawthorne, where she taught emotionally disturbed and occasionally dangerous children. Anything could happen between here and there. On the edge of the platform, two boys were roughhousing. The train came barreling into the station. An accidental push. Alice spun round, did a crazy backstroke before she fell. And it was over. David winced. The things that went through his mind. From their window, he watched Alice walk up the street. A helicopter passed overhead. On Lexington, at the building under construction, a single girder was winched into the sky, and David imagined this was the last time he would ever see his wife, and this was the last image he'd have of her, and he felt that sadness well up and had the smallest taste of his loss, like the wish when you're young that your parents would die. There could be no violence. It was a strange ethics attending his fantasy. He dreamed the crane tumbling, the helicopter spiraling out of control, but he edited out all the terror and pain. There was Alice, underneath the wreckage, killed instantly, or sometimes David was there, by her side, inserted just before the fatal moment. He held her hand, they exchanged last words, and he eased her into death. David, Alice said, I love you. Alice, David said, I love you too. Her eyes glassed over. There could be no violence. But occasionally David became a Walter Mitty of murder. He dreamed his own agency. He did it. He shot Alice. He bludgeoned her. He suffocated her with a pillow. But these fantasies were truncated. They flashed in his mind, then he cut them off before the terminal moment because he never surprised her in time. He saw her recognize him as he came round the corner with knife, bat, or gun, felt her hand grip the arm that held the pillow over her face, and it was all too terrible to contemplate. Whale! he screamed at her, because she was enormous. Goddamn blue whale!
She'd struggled mightily with depression, but was now back on meds. When they argued, they were ferocious. They'd been married to each other for 13 years and still went for jugulars and balls. Genius, she said. That drove him nuts. He was a lead designer and president of Spellbound, a small, extremely successful video game company. People in the industry called him a genius all the time, but during moments of doubt, David confessed to her that the games they produced were inane at best, mind-killing, to his and to the kids who played them, at worst. I wish you were dead, David screamed. I wish you were dead, too. But this was a relief. The desire was mutual. He wasn't alone. Later, after the quiet time, he apologized. I'm sorry, he said. I shouldn't talk to you like that. I'm sorry, Alice said. I hate fighting with you. They held each other in the living room. It was evening now, and there were no lights on in the apartment. For hours, they'd been sitting separately in the dark.